And I think the gift that he gave me on that day was he opened a door for me. He opened a door, he pushed open a door, he enabled me to see what life could look like if I walked through that door. He didn't walk through the door for me, but he opened that door wide enough that I could decide whether I stayed on this side of the door or the other side of the door. to episode 30 of the Tony Robbins Impact Podcast and today I have with me Lindsay Bajant, sorry, and Lindsay experienced Tony's work well over a decade ago and has uh, moved into a coaching career since and Lindsay manifested the opportunity to talk with Tony about some addiction issues that she had in the past and letting go of certain things and giving life meaning again so she shares her super powerful story and yeah dives really deep into some of the learnings she's had and and some of the massive changes in her life since then which was quite a long time ago and yes so uh, once again the the episode this week is sponsored by Jolene Swafford's Thrive Mastermind it's a mastermind that I am a part of and loving every minute of it. It is uh, fortnightly called with Jolene and look, it's uh, super powerful to be around those people every week and I encourage you to jump onto Jolene's website and check it out. There's some information there. So that's joleneswafford.com forward slash thrive and I'll put that in the show notes as well. Enjoy the episode guys. Lindsay Bajant, welcome to the Tony Robbins Impact Podcast. Thank you. I'm delighted to be here. Happy to see you. Um, So I guess today we're primarily talking about your journey and your personal development journey and and Tony Robbins' work and how it's played an impact and had an impact on your life, sorry. Um, Firstly, I guess I'd just like to know, just for everyone listening, where you were in your life leading up to not just Tony's event, but, you know, personal development and journey, what made you do that, that searching and and growing? Yeah, sure. Um, Look, it was really interesting because I found myself in a position that I really emotionally didn't know how to handle. Um, I'm a mama of two. And at that particular time in life for me, I, um, we had our first child. I'm married to a beautiful man. His name's Jason, incredible soul. And we decided that we would have children. And it's a decision that many people make. And like most people, we didn't give terribly much thought to what the outcome of that decision might be other than to have a child. And we were blessed to have a child. And her um, name is Chloe. And she was our firstborn. And it was interesting because when she came about, And um, I remember being so ecstatic about having this beautiful little baby in my arms and she was so well planned and so well loved. But funny enough, I just really knew in the very early stages that something wasn't quite right. Um, You could call it mama's intuition. And I just had that sense that we had this beautiful baby and really early on, I mean, while I was still in hospital, I just knew things weren't quite as they appeared to be. 
And um, over a period of about 12 months, 13 months, I went on this uh, really interesting journey seeking support for Chloe and better understanding why she couldn't sit up and why she didn't feed well and why she puked consistently and, and, and why we just had, you know, so many problems um, in supporting her to feed and do what seemed to be quite normal things for the majority of, of um, children. And so 13 paediatricians later, I discovered a beautiful soul in Mount Isa and her name was Dr. Sue Gorton. I remember her... I remember the first moment I walked into her rooms and shared my challenge that, you know, we'd been to so many um, paediatricians along the way and we were to discover that she um, had cerebral palsy and it kind of answered a lot of questions as um, why she didn't feed and why she wasn't sleeping and why she wasn't sitting and why she wasn't walking or crawling or doing any of those kind of things. But it was interesting along the way, I took on board a lot of feedback that I'd been given by people in our circle of influence, um, doctors, just people generally, who would tell me that I was a paranoid mother because I didn't have um, a family in terms of brothers and sisters. And so they said, well, you have no idea what it's like to have a young person. Of course, these things arise. But I knew it differently. And, um, and so I took a lot of that on board emotionally and really started to beat myself up. I was probably my harshest critic. Um, if there was ever a mean girl to reside within, she resided within me. And from time to time, she still pops her head up and goes, hey, you know, um, but it was interesting. I just found myself really doubting myself and second guessing myself. And then we decided that once we had kind of found some sort of vibe with Chloe and some sort of um, normalcy, I guess you could say, with Chloe, we decided that we would welcome another little babe into the world. Um, my husband, Jason, and I are both only children, so it was something we were quite passionate about. And so we welcomed in baby number two, and her name is Emma. And just before her fourth birthday, she woke up with a huge, enormous knee. And I remember getting up in the morning, just beating myself up, saying to myself, Lindsay, where were you? She's been up in the night. She's been climbing chairs. What happened? And I just automatically blamed myself for how she presented that morning. And we were just to discover that she had juvenile rheumatoid arthritis. And it was really interesting because it was a phase where we just kind of got Chloe on track and then Emma needed some additional attention and then throw into the mix the discovery that Chloe had autism pulsing through her body as well. And it was a time where I really struggled emotionally and I found myself doing what many people do and that I ate to excess. I was 22, 22 25 kilos heavier than I am today. I smoked like a chimney. I drank like a fish, a bottle of two of wine a day. Um, and then I found solace and escapism inside of the walls of a casino and I managed to spend a quarter of a million dollars over a five-year period. And I kind of hit that point where I'd spent the last of my father's retirement money and it was a case of really that wake-up call where you have that moment where you, you wake up to the reality that is your life and I'd screwed up big time. And I found myself in a place where I didn't really know how to get myself out of it. Um, beautiful Chloe came home uh, the, the morning of the morning after the night where I realized I'd finished, you know, I'd spent the last penny, dime, cent, whatever you want to call that. I still remember the following morning sitting on the balcony, having a glass of wine, smoking cigarettes and really questioning whether I still deserve to be on the planet and whether my kids and my family would be better off without me. The doctor I was seeing at the time had prescribed um, some Serapax tablets to deal with massive panic attacks I was having every day. 
I sat there thinking maybe it could just take all of these and be easier for them and, and so forth. Then Chloe came home on the bus that day from her special school and rocked up to the front door and and it's just the it's it's a moment, a defining moment, and we all have these moments in life where she walked through the front door and she looked at me eyeball to eyeball and said, Mummy, you'll never never leave me, will you? And it was in that precise moment that I decided I would do whatever it took to reclaim my life, rebuild my self-respect and get myself back on track. Had no idea how I'd do it, but that was that moment where I thought, you know, I can't live like this anymore. Just can't. That's so incredibly powerful. Um, I can actually relate to that on some level because I, when I actually went to Tony Robbins, that was when I realised that if I stayed in such a terrible survival mindset and really not growing or showing my daughter any great lessons in life, I'd lose her. That was what I realised through the Dickens process, like losing her in 10, 15 years. And that was my moment. So it's, it's kind of similar to you seeing your child. That's, that's just so powerful. So what Could I have leverage, right? leverage? Yeah, leverage. I'm about kids. I Children are ultimate leverage. The it's ultimate like, get leverage. Your stuff together. Absolutely, and and they say the right thing at the right time. Like, um, you know, very intuitive and and so beautiful. Such such gifts, obviously. So, what happened then? So that's one of those moments it's like it's like the pain threshold right you've you've hit that massive pain threshold realized how did you move forward and when did you know seminars and and the work of tony robbins come into that as well yeah so that was in 2003 that i made that decision um and so for about two years or 18 months I did, I quit my gambling, I stopped drinking, I stopped smoking. Um, And so I stopped doing the things I thought I needed to stop doing in order to have a better life and to feel better. But the reality of it was I'd stopped doing all of those things and I felt miserable. I actually didn't enjoy life at all. And so the very things I thought I needed to let go of to bring about joy and happiness in my life was not the solution at all. So I remember I was in business at that stage in direct sales and I still am in that space. But in that time, I was physically out in the field growing a business And I remember I invited this lady to come into a team training that I was doing. And she talked about Tony Robbins and she'd been to this event. And there was a a member of my team, Jodie, her name is, and we were both sitting there intently listening. And she talked about this thing called Unleash the Power Within. And I went, oh, yeah, that feels good. (laughs) And I thought, that's what I need. A dose of unleashing the power within. I'm I don't, care. I don't care what it's about, but I'm going. I know, right? And it was the funniest thing because I didn't plan to do that. I didn't plan to go sign up for an event and do all of that. But it was in a really short space of time that I found myself at UBW in Sydney in 2005. So, yeah. and but And it's interesting because... I made the decision in 2003 that I wanted to, or or not that I wanted to, that I was committed to making some behavioural changes, which I did. 
And then I made the decision when I realized that, that stopping doing those things wasn't bringing about any more happiness, that I would then pursue some other avenues and look at, so what does that look like? If I'm, if I'm stopped doing the stuff, if the behavior has changed, and I'm not feeling lit up every day and I'm not feeling a sense of fulfillment and there's no joy in my life, there's obviously something missing. And UPW was kind of that first space that I went into in search of happiness, you could say. So, yeah. And what, what happened? What happened? Well, I realised the power of meaning and my whole life changed. So I rocked up with my, my friend Jodie and it was kind of weird because... Jodie was positioned at the absolute opposite end of the arena than me. And so we were completely separate. We were kind of, we weren't really friends then. We were kind of work colleagues. And then we got to this part where we needed to do an activity or were invited to, to participate in an activity where we disclosed some inner truths about ourselves. And as happened, the person who was sitting next to me on the second day didn't come back. So my friend Jody was sitting there and I remember we looked at each other and we said, you know, uh, what, what are we going to do here? Are we just going to pull back the curtain and let it all spill out? Or are we going to go find somebody else? You know, are we going to disclose our innermost darkest secrets together or someone else? And we decided in that moment that we would support one another and be vulnerable and open. And, it, you know, I'm so incredibly grateful because she was one of the very first humans that I ever emotionally undressed in front of. And she just held this amazing space for me to feel safe and honoured. And it was really quite a beautiful experience. I then did the same for her and then on went this beautiful journey over time. And, of course, we were, walked on fire and hot coal or hot coals. And, and um, I just remember the, the biggest piece of learning that I took away from that both terrified me and empowered me was this idea that I was somehow responsible for how I felt. And that was kind of like, oh, okay. I, I loved it and I hated it. Do you know? It's like, so I can't blame this out here, what, it's me. And I, I just distinctly remember thinking, this is so cool. Oh, no, so cool. Oh, no. And that kind of, that kind of you know, bit in between where you want it, but you want to push it back because then you realise, oh, my gosh, there's some responsibility here for me. Yeah. And, and everything changed. I mean, you know, UPW, life will never be the same. I mean, that really was the truth for me. And um, I, I, I embraced what I learnt in UPW and um, then went about, you know, attending other events and um, signing up for Master University and going to... Um, going to date with destiny, which is yep. kind of where things changed. Yeah. Exactly. So, so what was the big moment at, at date with destiny? That, was this the event where you engaged with Tony as well? It was. And, and the interesting thing about that was I went to date with destiny really purposefully. So I went with the intention to get Tony's help, which is kind of weird. I went to UPW wanting to explore more about happiness and a path forward out of my emotional pain. And then when I went to date with Destiny, I was kind of sold on this idea that this big guy with teeth, big massive teeth, huge dude, might have some answers and could potentially help me. So I remember this particular morning, the morning that I did my intervention with Tony, saying to my friend Jody, 
I'm not leaving here until I get this handled. Like, he's going to help me get this stuff sorted. It's now. It's now. And she's looking at me, yeah, yeah, you know, as you do. And then as we moved through the morning, I just raised my hand and asked a question based on spheres of influence and wanted to better understand what that meant as, as it related to where I was in life at that time. And I remember chatting with Joni afterwards and she said to me, oh my gosh, I saw you on the screen and I started bawling immediately and thought, oh no, what's happening? It was just wild. Um, so <laughs> it's one of those moments that's, that's um, where time stands still. I was purposeful, I was determined, I was committed, I was over feeling miserable and I was over bringing my miserable self to my family in the world. I, I just didn't want that for me, for my family or anyone else that I was impacting. So I really went with the intention that this was my ticket out of that. And so I think something kind of magical happens when you go into a learning space, especially when you have someone as skilled as Tony and casting his eye around a room to kind of pick up on the energy of who's there to see who's kind of on, on point, you know? And I just remember eyes locked and it was like, I'm up. And there was just not one ounce of me that was ready to backpedal, not one ounce. And it was almost as though um, everything else stood still and I was just having this conversation with this guy who I was there to have a conversation with, who I believed had the goods to help me to find a way forward. And, you know, however many thousand people were in there, it just kind of went, whoop. Okay, so, so, Tony, like, it just felt like that. Do you know what I yeah, mean? And yeah. I wasn't about to leave that opportunity without finding, uh, finding at least an opening. And I think the gift that he gave me on that day was he opened a door for me. He opened a door. He pushed open a door. He enabled me to see what life could look like if I walked through that door. He didn't walk through the door for me but he opened that door wide enough that I could decide whether I stayed on this side of the door or the other side of the door. And I just decided that I would walk through that door. And um, that was a very firm decision that I made on that day. It was like, I'm just doing whatever it takes. So yeah, yeah wow. it was fascinating. What was on the other side of the door? I'm, I'm fascinated to hear what was holding you back from making the decision before talking to him and what was the actual decision and what was on the other side for you? What he gave me, um, what he helped me to understand, there was some key distinctions I got on that day. Um, one of them that stuck with me and that is that pain is inevitable, suffering is an option. And that was something that's really held true for me 13 years further down the track, that pain is inevitable, suffering is an option. Um, and I realised that the option of suffering was one that I'd picked up with as a result of lack of awareness. And so that was one thing that I really grasped. I also began to understand in my time with Tony that the more aware I became, the more freedom could be mine. And so in that conversation with him, I realised there was a lot of things I didn't know. And I loved having things come to my awareness so I could see things from a new perspective. And I realised that 
that what was what was between me and the emotional freedom because it was emotional freedom back then and it still is emotional freedom that I value more than anything so um, I realized that awareness was the thing standing in or a lack of awareness was standing between me and the emotional freedom I wanted for life and and so when he opened that door I got a glimpse of possibility of what emotional freedom could be like and that it actually was possible if I was not only willing to do the work and not only willing to walk through the door but do the work on the other side of that. Um, and it gave me hope, do you know? It gave me hope and a sense of if I, if I knuckled down, if I did what needed to happen, if I stayed true to my course, I could, I could create, be, do, have anything I wanted. So I just went, okay. Wow. That's, uh, pain is inevitable, but suffering is an option. That's just yeah. so powerful. And was it a part, was it partly just realizing that by taking responsibility, that was the actual power? Because yeah, we want to hold on to that, don't we? Yeah, it was. And, and the thing for me really that was impactful inside of that was I realised that I would experience as a mama some pain associated with my ideal um, vision of what motherhood was to look like didn't kind of show up in that way. I knew there would be some pain associated with that. So when we have this dream vision ideal of how something's going to be and it doesn't measure up to that, there's pain inside of that. Yet the suffering came as a result of me playing it over and over and over and over in my own mind. The suffering came from inside of me. So too did the pain, but the suffering came from in me and was created of me, through me, because of me. And so beginning to understand that that suffering was something I was um, doing to myself, it's like, okay, I'm going to stop that. I'm, I'm, I'm not doing that anymore. And so I realised what constitutes that. I realised the power of meaning. I've become more aware of that. And, and the meaning I'd given becoming a mum and that whole experience was that I was a bad mother. I somehow had failed as a woman um, in delivering these two beautiful babies into the world. And, you know, one of my greatest dreams as a young girl was to become a mum. And as far as I could see inside of that was I had failed terribly and there was a lot of pain inside of that yet the suffering came because of how I played it over in my mind and um not doing that no more wow that's so powerful no. it's like that's such an epiphany moment because if you're not aware that you're creating your own suffering over and over again it, it's it's just unbelievable when you fig when you realize and I've experience something different similar um and and it just must have felt like such a weight off your shoulders <laughs> it, it felt freeing it felt daunting and it it certainly hasn't been an easy ride you don't come you don't come into awareness and then go yay fantastic you come into awareness and and then the pathway that that leads you down is of never-ending expansion and evolution and, um, and, and that can be a little daunting. And 
I have to say that I think that the, the greatest challenge we face, I faced back then, and I still, you know, hold myself accountable is our lack of awareness, our lack of awareness as to how we think, how we're feeling. Most people can tell you what they do in a day, yet fewer people can share with you how they've been feeling through the day or how they've emotionally showed up in the day. Um, and I think that this lack of awareness really creates some challenges for us in our own independent world and then our collaborative world. So, yeah. It's totally true. It's, uh, it's such powerful learnings these these events in general and and obviously tony's the number one man for for these you know huge huge breakthroughs and um you know the fact that we're here 13 years after you have experienced this talking about it which we're discussing it now this is what fascinates me the, yeah. the, the lasting change that this kind of coaching and wisdom and, and, and the whole experience, the energy, everything, how it moves stuff around in your body so that you can just go forward in life the where you want to go and, you know, such a turning point in people's lives. And that's the name of this podcast, the Tony Robbins Impact Podcast, because it, it's, um, it changes the world in in my in my opinion and um it's uh it's just fascinating to see how this this affects people you know 13 years later yes obviously he's still very passionate about his work i'm interested to, to know have you do you still go to his events or read his books or do you know i never forget someone or um what served me well in life and and i know that that um time with tony was very impactful my husband's also been to upw he's also been to date with destiny tony led beautiful girl my daughter chloe across the hot coals and our youngest daughter emma has also been through multiple events so um it's really impacted not just my world but our whole family and and I, I think that there are some really core teachings that Tony um, shares that has that still play such a massive part in my life every single day. One of the most profound being the idea that we are the masters of our own creation in terms of meaning and that when we change the meanings we have in life, we really do change life itself and our experience of life. And that's something that I'm always mindful of every single day. If I have a feeling that doesn't serve me, one of the first things I'll ask myself is, Lynn, what are you making this mean? What are you making this mean? Because what's going on in here um, is a result of something I've created, something I, a perception I have, some meaning I've given it, some thought process, some something that's come through me. Um, and so I really value that. And it's something that's, you know, really stood the test of time for me. I've also been through um, the Robin, Robin's Madanus coaching program. So I've, I've kind of gone full circle where I've come out the other side and now I serve and support others. I've been to multiple events over the years. And I will say that um, 
Tony's been very generous in terms of, you know, welcoming me back into that environment. I was there when they filmed I'm Not Your Guru and I was invited to go back into that space as part of, you know, his personal guest list. And so I've really been um, unbelievably well looked after as a result of not just the intervention itself, but I also believe of my willingness to do the work the other side of that because the intervention is not really what creates the change on the ground. It opens the door. What we do with that open portal is entirely up to us. Do we decide to run our old patterns and go back to old things or do we decide that this is an opportunity to, too good to miss? And I think Tony's brilliance is in the way in which he positions that for transition. And then he gives people the best opportunity to grab what's on the other side of that pain they may be experiencing to create a new life. And, um, and I think it's remarkable, you know, it's, um, I'll be forever grateful for the opportunity that that gave me way back then. And I've just got a quest for learning, you know, I mean, I still refer back to his books. I still have the key principles that, that I learned back then. Um, the last event that I went to, as I say, was when they filmed, I'm not your guru. And I think that was two years ago in the U S um, or three years maybe ago now. So, and that was, that was, that was wild because I've only been to Tony's events in Australia. Yeah. So to go to an, an event in the US was like, wow, this just is another, another experience, you know. So. <laughs> I'm considering LA next year, but um, oh, I won't announce anything yet. <laughs> it's a different experience. Yeah. Really. Yeah. I've, uh, and not the worst different, just different. Yeah. I've, well, um, about 70% of the podcast audience here tonight are from the US. So I thought oh, I would um, tr try and meet some of the, <laughs> the listeners. Oh, that'd be so cool. You just yeah. really love that. Yeah. Really love that. I, I bet I, can I tell you a really funny story? Yeah, go for it. All right. It's just really quite funny. So I found myself going back to I'm not your guru, right? And, um, and this is like the Aussie being in amongst the Americans. So I was very fortunate to be invited by Tony, which meant that I was part of this beautiful group that he invites with people in lots of different phases and stages of life. So some quite famous people in that space. Of course, I had no clue. No clue. Because I didn't know who they were. So I remember sitting down next to this beautiful woman, just gorgeous. And we were just chatting as you do. Anyway, so I'm chatting and, and I said, so what was your name? And she said, Julianne. And I said, oh, awesome. And I said, so, so, you know, what do you do? And she said, oh, I dance. And I went, oh, that's amazing. I said, how long have you been doing that for? Strike up this conversation. Anyway, then people start to come around taking photos and I'm thinking, Hmm, that's a bit strange. So, and then lots of people are coming taking photos. So it turns to my buddy, Jim, who um, is a top lawyer in the New York. He's an amazing fellow. Turn to Jim and I go, Jim, what's that guy over here? What's happening over here? Oh, that would be Julianne and Derek Hoff. They're very famous dancers off Dancing with the Stars here in America. And I'm like, you know, she's been in the movies and stuff. One of my favorite movies, I was oblivious. But do you know what I loved about it? She was gracious and humble and it wasn't about, you You don't know who I am. She just kind of, yeah, I dance a little. And it's just, it was the funniest thing ever. My daughter, Emma, I came home. She said to me, you what? With who? You had mum. 
don't you even know it's like sweetheart no i didn't give it any second thought because when people come together it doesn't matter who they are how much money they have or don't have what race religion creed color degree no degree when people come together to learn in that environment they come to expand and grow and i what i love about it is it doesn't matter what your status is you can be an incredibly famous human yet when you're in there you're like everyone else doing the work everyone else open expanding looking to become a better version of yourself and i think that's one of the beautiful things in that space is there comes that where we're common in that space no one's better or worse than anyone else we're just coming in there and doing our stuff and i love that you know yeah. so I, I couldn't agree more. It's a, it's a beautiful thing, isn't it? You're, everyone's there for one reason and, and uh, every, all of the cur curtains go down as well. Oh, it was crazy, right? It was yeah. absolutely crazy. So, but anyway, so many fun stories I could tell you about various <laughs> We better not go into all of them tonight, but... I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> so you're working as a coach now. What do you focus on with your coaching work and where can people find you? Cool. Um, my main focus is on supporting people to experience emotional freedom. And so the ability to move through emotion quickly, easily, um, and without the need to hang on to anything at all. So um, that's what I, that's my, my, my passion. It's my obsession. And I work predominantly with women. Um, it's not that I don't work with men. I do have men in my coaching practice, but predominantly I find a lot of women really struggle in that emotional realm. So, um, I feel very blessed to serve women in that space and they can find me on Facebook at Lindsay Bagent or on my website, lindsaybagent.com. So either of those places, um, they can find me, but I just, I just love the ability to serve in that space. It really lights me up. It's my thing. So amazing. Sounds like such beautiful work you're doing and Thank I'll you. leave the links to your uh, website and Facebook page in the episode show notes as well for everyone listening. I appreciate that. That's awesome. No worries. So I just want to ask you one final question tonight and that is if you had to leave this world and you're with your loved ones for the final time, what piece of advice, guidance, or quote do you share with them? For me, it's don't hold on too tightly. It's allow it to flow and let go. Um, emotion is meant to be fluid. It's meant to be free. And so just as frustration will pass, so too will joy, so too will peace, so too will all of that. And it's all part of the incredible tapestry that is emotion and that we get to experience and enjoy every day. And so I would encourage that. And um, I share that with my daughters today. Don't, don't, wish, don't wish for something to be everlasting. You know, it's uh, so often I hear people just hanging on, wanting that, you know, final moment to be just, if it can be just one more, just enjoy it and let it go, knowing that it will, there'll be another moment to experience, another moment to enjoy. And there's no need to hold on because it's not the last one, you know. So Yeah. That is so beautiful, so beautiful.